Good morning, church. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about your favorite subject, money. M-U-N-Y, money. You know, there's a song used to say, all the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees because all I want is money. Well, I hope that's not all you want. Uh, That's not worth fighting over, is it? Uh, You know, uh, are are any of you tempted by money at all? I just... Really, I I, I just don't... uh, I don't don't see what the big issue is about money. God has all the... All the wealth in the world is His. And he can distribute it any way he wants to. But uh, I want to ask you a question. How do you distribute your money? When it, when it comes to the offering time, how do you distribute your money? Do you say, well, let me see, I made uh, $1,000 this week. So uh, I guess I can give the Lord 10 bucks. You know, there's, a, there's an old pamphlet that came out years ago about uh, that God talking to Adam. God creates Adam and Eve, and there, there they are in a garden, and uh, God sets before Adam ten apples. He says, Adam, he says, Here, here's what I want you to do with these ten apples. He says, with the first three of them, he says, uh, I want you to go out and, and, and provide a, a home for you and Eve to live in. So take these three apples and trade it off and get yourself all that you need in order to build yourself a good home. He says, and then take three more apples and, and get yourself some clothing. These, these fig leaves have got to be itching you, Adam. Get, it, get some good clothing. And, uh, the, and the third thing, he says, take three more apples. That'd be nice. He says, take three more. And he says, you know what? Uh, you need to have some food. He says, you know, uh, some, uh, you know, chicken parmesan and some spumoni, some antipasta. And uh, so he says, and Adam says, well, Lord, what do I do with, the, with this tenth apple? And because uh, he says, Lord, he says, this tenth apple is it's so beautiful and so red and juicy looking and, and, and so shiny and so delicious. And the Lord says, well, Adam, he says, maybe you want to give that back to me. So Adam looks at it, and he takes big bites out of it and just all around it, and he gives the core to God. Is that what we do with our money? Do we, do we take a tenth of what we have and take a big hunk out of it for ourselves and give the core to God? Well, in our text for today, uh, if you want to turn with me, it's Second Corinthians chapter eight. We're gonna we're gonna see about giving. In chapter eight, verse one, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, Second Corinthians chapter eight. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. 
that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus, as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete it in you, this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in love, we inspired in you to, that you also abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command. Listen very carefully. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I give my opinion, not a command, an opinion. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were first to begin a year ago not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not the ease of others, for this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need so that their abundance may also become a supply for your need, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. Father, we thank you for your word. Now, Lord, we ask that in the name of Jesus, you give us strong insight. In Christ's name, amen. Of course, this passage has to do with the principles of Christian giving. How much should we give? A tenth? You know, you walk into a restaurant and, and uh, you spend, you and your partner, you spend $40 for a couple of meals. And the check comes back $37.70 or something like that. And, and uh the wait, waiter or waitress is expecting how much of that thirty-seven seventy to come back to them beyond that. So you figure that, so you say 10% is $3.70. They're going to be very disappointed in you if you give them 10%. It's amazing to me that we would give a waiter or waitress 20% and give God less than that. You know, I think God even be happy with maybe. But sometimes we look at giving as maybe giving a meager 1 or 2%. How much should we give? 
Most of us use the term tithe or tithing when we speak of giving. We, we're, we get this Old Testament thing in, in our minds, 10%. You know, Melchizedek, 10%. You know, the Mosaic Law, 10%. The, the ceremonial law, 10%. So it's ingrained in us. However, the New Testament does not put much emphasis, and it does speak of it, but not a whole lot, on the term of, of tithing. Because it does not, the New Testament does not, does not emphasize the Mosaic requirement. The Old Testament, or the Mosaic Law, gave a strict strict compulsory requirements in the matter of how much a person is to give. It's about 20-something percent, actually. You know, there have been debates between 22 to 27 percent of what they gave in the Old Testament. No, we don't teach that. But it was compulsory. The New Testament on the other hand, puts its stress on voluntary giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, he says, let, let each one do just as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Listen, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful Baptist. I mean, giver. So then, what is the main difference between Old Testament giving and New Testament giving? And it is mainly this. In the Old Testament, we see giving or tithing as a matter of law. Strict law. But in the New Testament... We see giving as a product of grace. You are not under law, but what? Under grace. It's a product of grace. Now, the question is, not does God command, but what is grace worth to you? What's it worth? If you have $1,000 a week, is it worth $10? If you made a million dollars a year, if you made a million dollars a year, is it worth $100,000 of that? Could you live off of $900,000? What is grace worth to you? Paul begins this passage by, first of all, letting the churches of Corinth know that he associates God's grace and giving as being a, a cause and effect matter. And, and this is what I mean by that. It was God's grace it was God's grace that led the churches of Macedonia. Now, those churches of Macedonia consisted of, of these three churches, Philippi, Thessalonica and Berea. Those were the three churches of Macedonia. 
So it led these churches uh, uh, to, to give according to what they believed they saw as the worth of God's grace. I heard a pastor many, 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 many years ago in a conference I had attended. He made this statement, and I just, as he said that, I just shook my head. He says, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He says, the reason you give, the reason you give is to get. And if I would have had false teeth, they would have fallen out. Is that the reason you give? Years ago, uh, the Navy, uh, back in the middle 80s, somewhere in there, I can't remember, 35, 6, 7, 8 years, I can't remember, 30-something years ago, sent me to Idaho for a short duration. I was there for a couple of weeks in Idaho at one of the Navy schools as, as serving as their chaplain. And uh, I was only there for a couple of weeks. But on a, on a Wednesday, uh, I, w- I would be going back home on that Friday. Uh, I was living in, in Nebraska at the time, in, in Grand Island, Nebraska. And uh, on, that, on, that, uh, on that Wednesday, just a couple of days before, I was, to, I was going to check out that Friday, check out and head back to Grand Island. I uh, I had uh, I had six dollars in my pocket, six bucks. That's, I had a five dollar bill and a one dollar bill. I said, "Man, this has got to get me through. If I can just get through Wednesday and Thursday, I can get home Friday." And I said, "Well, you know, back then you could buy you know a a, a Big Mac attack thing and have your arteries all clogged." No. And so I said, I can get me a couple of Big Macs and I can survive for just a day and a half. That Wednesday night, I went, I went to a church. It was not a Baptist church, but it was the closest church to me. I said, I, gotta, I could have conserved whatever money I have for gas or anything else. So I went to this local church. It's kind of like a non-denominational, charismatic, Pentecostal, Baptist, something. It was just non-denominational church. It was close to me. And, and uh, Idaho has a lot of Mormon people in it. So I went, and the, the pastor, there was a former, former Mormon himself. And I went there, and, uh, and he, I introduced myself, and he says, uh, he says uh, you're a chaplain at the such and such a base? I said, yes. He says, why don't you speak for us tonight? I said, well, I'd be glad to. So I, I spoke, and uh, anyway, but before I got a chance to speak, I, I was there, and they took up an offering. They don't take up an offering the way we take up an offer, offering. They got this little uh, red, little red bag. I remember that little, kind of like a burgundy-looking bag. I remember it very clearly. And uh, they would pass it around because they didn't want to hear anything tingling in a plate. So uh, I had a $5 bill and a $1 bill. And I says, you know what? I, I got to give something. I said, you know, God's been so good to me. So I, I put a, I, I had six bucks. I put a dollar in. I mean, that's all. I had six dollars. Folks, 
10% of that's 60 cents. I gave a little bit more than a tenth of that. I gave a dollar. And I, and I got up and I spoke that night. And he said, why don't you come over to our house and have dinner with us afterwards? So I went over to his house with him and his wife. And they were so gracious and had dinner with him. And uh, he handed me a check. I said, what's this for? He says, he says, listen, he says, you labored for us tonight. He says, a labor is worthy of his hire. He handed me a check for $100. I got a hundredfold from what I gave. And I thought to myself, Pat, you fool, you should have given $5. <laughs> I did not give that dollar in order to get anything other than just thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. It had nothing to do about getting anything back. God did that through that man because he just likes me. Uh, my wife and I uh, give, but in no way to somehow cause God to give us something, to reciprocate that and give us something back in a, in, a, in, a, in a favor toward us. You know, we're not asking him to give us some, some special favor on his part. If this is what you are doing by giving, that you're giving because you want God to give you something back, if that's why you give, then you completely misunderstand the teaching of Scripture. And worse yet, is, is like trying to bribe God. We do not give in order to get something from God. Uh, folks, I trust that you give because you love God because He loved you. It's just, it's a product of grace. Could you imagine where you would be had God not saved you? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 10 it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. How often have you heard by some, somebody, some preacher, say that you need to sow a seed? And supposedly when you sow a seed of a certain amount of money, you'll get a harvest full of money in return. I know we've all heard that. That somehow that God just kind of shows up in your mailbox. My friends, look at the text. Read the text. Don't read into it. You know what? When you, when you read the text and try to understand that, that's called exegesis. When you try to really understand the text, it's called exegeting the text. But when you read into the text... And you get things out of there that ain't there. It's called eisegesis or eisegeting the text. That you're putting something in it that's just not there. And what is not there is that if you give God a certain amount of money, that God's going to give you a whole bunch back. That is not there. Listen to what the text says. It says specifically that an increase the harvest of your righteousness. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're going to get money in the mailbox. 
This means that God will give you the resource of what you give as a tool of His grace. God will give as a resource of what you give as a tool of His grace to be used for the sharing and the spreading of the gospel for the salvation of people. That what you give to this church is used in ministry so that the kingdom of God will flourish. Not that you can drive away from here with a Bentley. So if we were to determine as to how much we give, we oftentimes, we oftentimes govern our giving by these three things. Now there may be more, but these are three general specific and, and specific things. First, we look at our personal needs and decide from that how much of our paycheck is needed for us to live on. That just sounds natural, doesn't it? If you make $300 a week, I hope you do more than that. But if you make $300 a week, you say, how much of this do I need to live on? Well, you need, probably need $400 to live on. So you got to get a better job. No, you, you, look at, you look at how much money you make and say, how much do I need to live on this week? The second thing we do, we then decide how much of our paycheck needs to be set aside for the future. I mean, surely you save something in the bank, don't you? Put something in there. So, first of all, we we look at our paycheck. How much do I need to live on? We look at our paycheck. How much do I need to save? And third, there's always those emergencies. You know, there's got to be some money set aside for fun and entertainment, isn't there? How much do I just want to blow on me? And after we decide those three things, then we say, okay, God, and what, what do I need to give God? <laughs> That's about how sometimes we look at things. How much do I need to live on? How much, how much of this do I need to set aside for the future? How much do I want to spend on me? How much do I want to give God? The fourth one is determined by the first three, which is probably a bad way to do it. Is this what we find in the Bible? It is not. Take a look at verses 3, 4, and 5 of our text. Verses 3, 4, and 5 says, For I testify, this is what the Word of God says, I testify that according to their ability And beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, okay, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the saints. When's the last time you heard the church begging the the, the, uh, deacons or the ushers to take more money from them? Please take more. I've never been in that church. I've never heard people begging to give more. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God.
The churches of Macedonia gave because they simply wanted to give. They gave out of their desire to give, and in no way was there any of the three reasons, as I mentioned before, as to why and how much to give. They had complete confidence in God's providential plan for them, that He would meet their need no matter what that need may, may have been, that God, you're going to take care of it. We find in Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, one of, which is one of the Macedonian churches, he says in Philippians 4, 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, do you have that kind of confidence in God? I'm not saying, man, you ought to empty your bank account if you got 10000 in a bank. Man, just write a check for 10000 I'm not telling you to do that at all. I'm not telling you to give a dollar of it. I'm just saying you ought to give what God anoints you to give. If you want to give something, give it cheerfully and joyfully. Do that. Not grudgingly, not, not out of compulsion, like, man, I've got to give 10% of this. No. What is, what is, what's God instructing you to do based on the fact that God, by His grace, saved you? What is God telling you to do in your giving? The word supply in Philippians 4.19, you know, God will supply all your need, means that Christ is filling the... Christ is filling the universe. This is what the word means, supply. Christ is filling the universe with his influence, his presence, and his power. That means whatever is needed in the universe to keep that universe going, that Jesus has enough to keep it going. He keeps it full. Think of this now. If Christ has enough wealth in his ability to keep the universe going. If, if he fills all that is in the universe, then how much is Christ then able to supply what you need? If the universe needs this much, and you need this much, if Christ can do this, can he do this? Yeah. He's not saying, man, let me see. Uh, you, you got $8,275 in a checkbook. Uh, I want $828. He's not saying that. Don't do that to yourself. That's living out of compulsion. Say, Lord, this is what I have, Lord. What would you have me give? What would you have me give? Lord, I have $6. Would you take a dollar? God will take whatever your heart is willing to give. What is your heart willing to give? So ask ourselves, is the providence of God, is the providence of God, the sufficiency of Christ, able to meet your need? Keep this in mind. The measure of Christ's supply the measure of Christ's supply is based upon his wealth. But when we speak of Christ's wealth, it's, that wealth is not determined by money or possessions. 
It's based upon the worth of his glory. Christ's wealth is based upon his glory, and that glory is what? It is infinite. Infinite. His infinite wealth, because his glory is infinite. Well, let's move on to verse 7 of our text. But just as you abound in everything in faith, listen, Paul writing to the church of Corinth says, you abound in everything. What, how do they abound in this? Because God's given this ability, right? But you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in love. We inspire in you see that you abound in this gracious work also. Now, listen. He says, you abound in everything. That is key in this verse. Why is it key? He says that they abound in faith. Listen very carefully. He says that you abound in faith. You abound in utterance and knowledge. And you abound in utterance and love. That these are all from God's abundance. They're all given to the church in abundance of God's grace. Even, listen very carefully, even in spite of the friction, dissensions, and immoral acceptance by that church. This was a tough church to pastor. If, if any church could do it wrong, this church did it wrong. But God kept on blessing them with all these grace gifts. And, and even in spite of who they were and what they were doing, God was still gifting them. God was still gifting that church with His grace. God didn't withhold any good gift from them. Rather, they over. He overflooded them with an abundance of spiritual gifts. I want you to look at something in, 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 uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 and 7. Paul, writing again to the, this is the first book to the church of Corinth, he says this, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. Man, there he's with that great. Listen. It's about grace. It's not about law. It's about grace. For the grace of God which is given you in Christ Jesus. That in everything you are enriched in Him in speech and all knowledge. Even as a testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. So that you are not lacking in any gift. Awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that everything they were blessed with was due to the fact that God's grace had been gifted to them. Just as that grace is gifted to you. God gifted that church and God has gifted this church. Also notice in verse 4, 1 Corinthians 1, it says, The grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. There, there is something else that we should take note here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 5, we find the grace gift of God. He talks about speech and utterance. And in, 2 Corinthians, in our text, in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 7, he talks about utterance and knowledge. Speech and knowledge and utterance and knowledge are basically the same thing. Speech and knowledge, utterance and knowledge, same thing. Why is it repeated? Why is this repeated? What, what are we to make of this? Contrary, 
contrary to what some might say that the idea of speech and utterance does not mean that God gave them at, a, at this point the ability to speak in tongues. Folks, I'm still struggling with English. You know, I know a, a smattering of Italian. Thanks to my mom and dad, but I just, you know, I don't know about these tongues things. But that's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about, speech and utterance. What it means is that they were enabled and empowered by God to deliver the message. Are you ready for this? To deliver the message of the gospel. God gave them the ability to share their faith. Just as God has given Yuns the ability to share your faith. He's gifted you in that same utterance. That we are to be ambassadors for Christ. That we're to be His representation here on earth. That we as representatives of Christ are to deliver a message of reconciliation to a world that's going to hell. Do you not want to see these people who are headed for a demon's hell? To hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Just as someone was eager to share that with you? Would you not want to share that with others? You have, the, you have this ability in you. And, and also, the gift of knowledge is a reference to their being enriched in biblical understanding. When he talks about knowledge, speech and knowledge utterance and knowledge. When he talks about knowledge, it's their ability to, to be built up, to build up one another, to be edified in the faith, that we, as, we have responsibility to, to each other to build one another up. And listen, any dumb mule can knock down a building, but it takes a real carpenter to put one up. We should be building one another up. Speech, the ability to share the Word of God, and knowledge, the ability to build one another up in understanding the Scripture. So we have the grace of God being provided them super abundantly to enable the church at Corinth to do ministry toward the people as well to increase the substance of worship. Now let's take a look at what their response was toward God. Paul gives them all this. Oh my goodness, look what time it is. Folks, can you give me a few more minutes? If, if I want a few minutes over, you Sunday school teachers, forgive me. I want you to take a look at, at their response toward God who had blessed them so incredibly. You would suppose that their response would have been an overflowing one, wouldn't you? If God had blessed them so much, wouldn't they just bless God a whole bunch? Well, here's their response. It was dismal, dull, and dingy, both to God and any financial way. Either way, they were horrible at it. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Listen, there is no command given as to what amount a person is to give. But what we do have is that God will provide us with opportunities to give 
and when, and when God provides the opportunity, are you prepared to respond generously? That's, that's the question. One of the major thoughts, one of the major thoughts of this message is, is this. Those who give generously will reap generously. This doesn't mean that you are giving in order to get, but the, you will get more or that you'll get more than what you give. That's, that's not the idea of this. But it does mean the kingdom of God will be benefited by what you give. That what you give benefits the kingdom of God. It, it may or may not benefit you financially, but it will benefit the kingdom of God. We, we now come to the, uh, our, our, our uh, verse 9 of our text and a basis for our giving. Verse 9 is the basis for giving. You know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That, that, is, that is our basis for giving. In Philippians chapter 2 and verses 6 through 8, we see what, how our Lord humbled himself by going from heaven's throne to the death on the cross. Jesus' self-giving should lead us to this thought. Since God gave us everything pertaining to life, there is therefore nothing that I could ever give or do that would or could equal Christ's sacrifice. You cannot give Christ what he gave you. You just can't do it. Jesus did not just give you 10%. He gave you 100%. When you look at the cross, that's a picture of 100% of what God gave you. For God so loved the world, he gave, he gave 100%. My friends, giving is measured by what we have, not by what we do not have. Verse 15 of our text, on our last point, verse 15 of our text says, As written, who gathers much, did not have too much. Who gathered little, had no lack. This is about manna in the wilderness, isn't it? In, in Exodus 16, 18, it says, He who gathered much had no excess. He who gathered little had no lack. That's what Exodus 16, 18 says. Keep this in mind. All the manna, all the manna that God gave in the wilderness, how much of that manna belonged to God? 100%. 100%. The people gathered God's manna. And keep this in mind, that what was selfishly gathered... What we gather selfishly, this is for me, became what? Corrupted, polluted. So what lesson have we learned? When we give, we are to give cheerfully. We are not commanded to give as it was in the Mosaic Law. However, our giving is because of our thanksgiving to God for His marvelous gift to us. He gave us His Son, Jesus. I will just conclude with this. I think 10% is a great place to start. It's a great place to start. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for what you've given us. Lord, you've given us everything you had. The best there was in heaven to give. And now, Lord, teach us in our hearts and minds to give to you, Lord, not out of compulsion, but, Lord, just out of the gladness and thanksgiving of our heart because you gave us so much, Lord. 
Help us to be and cause us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.